Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. All right, Tabitha Scott, welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. So happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Matt. We're going to have a very interesting conversation today about a sh- a shifting a paradigm or shifting some thoughts uh, kind of from uh, from one's mindset to the other that I really appreciate and enjoy from your perspective. But I do want to read a little bit about your bio just so people, when they're listening, have a frame of reference of where you're coming from when you talk about this stuff. Uh, you currently are the Executive Sustainability Officer for Gilbane Construction, a $7 billion mm-hmm. construction company. Uh, but you've also served as the Executive uh, Office Roundtable on Climate Change during the Obama administration and also the Presidential Climate Action Plan under the Bush administration and working on net zero. And you've been working on net zero projects since 2008. Um, you've got a couple books out. Your most recent book uh, is called Powering Change. But ultimately, we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about some about leadership, but really maybe shifting the mindset around. Uh, we need to save the planet. I think you have a very fresh and interesting perspective on we need to save the planet. And and I meant earlier because you're coming from a lens of you work in corporate America, right? That's mm-hmm. that's what you've done. You've worked in corporate America, but you have, I think, a fresh perspective on how corporate America and and the environment can kind of not only coexist, but complement each other. So please enlighten me. Yeah, Matt, thanks. And thanks for having me today. My perspective is a little bit different because I think coming from academically, I'm trained in finance and business and have led businesses, you know, early on in my career, used a lot of technologies. And Mm -hmm. so I have the lens of what makes business sense first as a foundation. And then growing up on a small farm in Kentucky with two elementary school teachers as parents, we learned about every animal, you know, how to grow things, crops, Mm -hmm. growth cycles. You know, there's a season for everything, Mm -hmm. responsibility. There's no waste. You know, you would take the Mm -hmm. manure and turn it into fertilized. Right. Yeah. And so all of these lessons that were just embedded in me as I grew up, once I got into the business world and I saw how much waste there was, well, waste is expensive, you know? Right. And you see the things that we have in businesses, the challenges that in nature don't exist, you know? Mm -hmm. Nature's perfectly balanced. Right. And the further we get away from nature and business, the more mm-hmm. off balance and burnout we become. Mm. So it took a lot of years of experiencing business. And back in 2004, I started working in global sustainability. So working with companies to do renewable energy and, mm-hmm. and consciously think about how are we using our energy for example, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and water and things. And what I learned over those years is that absolutely for every business crisis in the world, nature has the answer. We just have to listen. Mm. Very interesting. And, and, and this, again, is a very unique, I think, a unique perspective, because usually when we're talking about environment, uh, climate change, um, construction, especially your current role that you're serving in, those things, typically the conversation is more of an adversarial or at odds, or it's either either corporate is making money or and nature's suffering or nature's flourishing and we've shut down corporate uh, 
corporate um, enterprise altogether. And yet, you know, we've talked about it on this show uh, with other guests several times that, you know, uh, business can change the world if we use it for that purpose. It conscious capitalism, if you want to call it That's that. Right. But but we can, most business, I, I can't remember the statistics, but I think 90, 95% of businesses are actually your neighbors, people that own, you know, the, 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 the local store, whatever that may be, the local repair mm -hmm. shop, the local store. It's not, you know, when people say business, a lot of times we think of these huge conglomerates and these, you know, the Walmarts and the, and the, you know, the big oil companies and all this stuff, because that's what the news shows, right? That's what that's the right. media portrays is, and I'll be honest. I mean, I've been in business all my career. Um, uh, most of us, I guess, when I say it that way have, but, but it, it, they've done some stuff that's not ethical. That's not good for the plan. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, in my perspective anyway, they've earned some of the lumps that they've taken in the media yeah, because they've yeah. done some pretty crappy stuff. But right. but that's but that's the minority of businesses. Mm -hmm. Most businesses aren't out to pollute the world or out, <laughs> out aren't out to out, aren't out to exploit nature or right. people. They're out to provide a service to provide for their families and to provide the service to the families in their local communities. Now you've right. obviously taken it one step further because you were actually looking through the lens of like fortune 100 companies that are huge conglomerates and saying, how can we, how can we actually make profit and the environment both of, and, and, and it seems like the way you're saying it kind of almost, uh, connected. Yeah. Every business person that is not looking to nature for answers, I think they should be feeling FOMO right now. <laughs> fear right. of missing out because right. Um, what I'm saying is turning this notion of, oh, save the poor planet, you know, do something today. The planet is a badass. Right. It's been evolving for four billion years and it right. kind of has its stuff down, whether you're talking about the laws of motion, you know, any new thing that we have to get put through in business, it's just like the laws of motion will occur. I've got a new idea and you get an equal and opposite reaction. I don't have resources. I don't have budget, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, or whether it's the laws of physics, of complexity theory, you know, our systems can only be as complex as their basis, you know, as set out in, in nature, diversity, you know, a, mm -hmm. a field that burns down and wildflowers will grow back, you know, straight away versus a perfectly manicured little landscaping job. It's going to be, you know, blown up if it is destroyed. Right. And right. so if we want resilient business, if we want mm -hmm. business that's and more innovative, then look to the laws of nature and every single time they can predict what you need next in your business, what type of leader you need and how to build your teams. All right. So, so this interesting, you're going to have to dive a little deeper for me on this one. So, and, and this is all stuff that you're covering in your, in the new book that's coming out very soon, Powering Change. So I guess, help me understand, walk me through some examples, walk me through kind of how, you know, how you've looked at a business and then applied the laws of nature and, and, and kind of, I'd almost say case studies, but I love example, real examples of yeah. how, how does this actually work in practice? How does it work, you know, in the real world once we get yeah. on the mat type thing? So everybody's familiar with the growth curve, birth, mm -hmm. growth, mm -hmm. you know, maturity and decline. And you hope to jump onto the next curve, you know, mm -hmm. before you decline and hit the bottom. Well, Southwest Airlines last year, uh, back in 2022, they had a horrible fiasco at um, Christmas time, holiday time, 
with right. travelers. They could mm-hmm. not keep up with demand. Their mm-hmm. technology systems basically crashed. And what happened there is you had a CEO that was brought in during their big growth phase, their peak mm-hmm. growth phase. It was the right person because he was a streamliner, right? Mm-hmm. He was very mm-hmm. into efficiencies and making mm-hmm. things orderly and stovepiped, which is what you need to structure and scale. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of him hiring a replacement that was a revolutionary to get back onto the next curve, to reinvent, mm-hmm. he hired his replacement that was exactly like him and maybe mm-hmm. even worse because he had been <laughs> there for 30 years. Oh my you know? gosh, right, yeah. It was also in careers like accounting and auditing Mm. that Mm. require you to make it more and more lean. And what they did is they just leaned themselves to death and they didn't do any innovation and new tech. And so they had the wonderful qualified person, obviously, to make it to be CEO of Southwest Airlines, but he was at the wrong time. And so it's like you don't plant seeds in the fall Mm. because they're going to die in the winter. Right. Right. So. Everything has an optimal time. And if we Mm -hmm. look at what phase we're in, so that's one with growth cycles, whereas Apple, for example. I was thinking of that, yeah. Mm -hmm. They brought in um, Steve Jobs, who, you know, previously they had said, we can't deal with you. You know, (laughs) you're a real pain in the the (laughs) Right, right. You're mean to people, right? And nobody likes you. They knew when they needed innovation. And so, you know, they brought him in at the right time. And so they have been a great example of hiring the right CEO at the right time in the growth cycle. And whether it's your C-suite, you know, your Mm -hmm. person or looking at groups within your organization. So for strategy and innovation, you don't want to hire someone that's used to risk aversion and refining, you know. Right. And vice versa, if you're looking for someone to do your audits, you don't want to hire someone that, you know, loves taking risk and is future focused. <laughs> right. And what creates burnout is when you put the person in the opposite spectrum. So mm-hmm. if you if you put someone as future focused in one of those refining roles, that's where burnout happens. And so all of the personnel planning, whether it's at the very bottom or at the very top of a company, you can apply to the growth cycle. The growth curve. Interesting. And when you say growth curves, are, are you talking about like the Adesis life cycle of a company? Is that or just as or is a simpler model that's just like a corporate growth curve so people can reference that? Yeah, a corporate growth curve. And one of the things that I do in my book is I take that growth curve and show how if you add, if you jump to the next phase and universities have been teaching this for years. Mm-hmm. You actually get this repeating sort of, um, see if, if I can find a diagram for you, this repeating mm-hmm. kind of math. Yes. Yep. And when you do that over and over again and you loop them together, what shape do you get? The DNA helix. Oh, interesting. And so, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so all life that is sustainable life, it boils mm-hmm. down to the same DNA. And in my book, I show how, you know, you have data, information, right? And mm-hmm. you have energy. And that's it. That's all DNA is. If you boil the essence of all life down, well, in companies, what are they made of? Data and energy. Right. So this book really simplifies that, Mm -hmm. you know, we're vibrating energy. We're a sine wave. You know, Mm -hmm. all of us are made of energy. And that includes the water, the trees, the animals, the insects. And businesses are just another living organism. Because Mm -hmm. if they stop going through that curve, that cycle, then they no longer exist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the thing, I've, so I've seen, 
again, I refer, just referenced the Adesis life. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, life cycle of a company uh, uh, or an organization. And I was shown that, you know, gosh, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, probably 15 years ago or more. Um, uh, and it just happened to be at dinner one night. And this guy was giving a talk the next day and he was the speaker and he was showing me that. And we were getting, we were just getting ready to enter the phase of, I believe, adolescence or something. But basically we were about ready to either implode or blow apart. Right. And it was like, I was like, and, and like, cause I'd been talking to him. He was like, hang on, I got to show you something. And he goes to his room, brings back his laptop, shows it to me. And I was like, he said, this is extremely predictable. He said, this is going to, here's what's going to happen. It's kind of, kind of called founder syndrome. You know, you're, you're going to, you guys are, we had three partners. You guys are going to either get divorced. You're going to have to sell the company, right? Or you're going to bring in a scaler, somebody who knows how to scale right. and, and they're going to scale your company, allow you to continue to grow. And so I was like, it was like, it was like he was an oracle looking in a crystal ball. And now that I look back 15 years later, he was a hundred percent right about everything. He said at the time I resisted this, yeah. right? At the yeah. time I was like, nah, but like you said, business is a living organism. It has a set kind of laws, if you want to call it that, that, yeah. and, and, and you, you can either, you know, we took the information, thank goodness, we took the information and actually did something with it. We actually brought in a scaler, right? And it was tough. It was really, really hard to bring somebody in because the, org the culture and the organization was kind of bootstrapped up and just a bunch of, you know, three entrepreneurs and we're just like, yeah. go, go, go and just, you know, build it and we'll stick it together and it'll work. And things were starting to blow apart, you know, fall yeah. apart. Systems were not in place. And, and so once we brought in the scaler, then, then the company was like in uh, what do I want to call it? Basically it retracted because the, uh, you know, a couple of the partners didn't agree with the scaling philosophy, mm -hmm. <laughs> which was streamlining and putting systems in place and putting, you know, uh, certain, you know, we started looking at KPIs and all of the things that you do to grow a business. And thank goodness a decade later, you know, the business is doing well and, you know, we're taking, we're in the, that business is in the nursing home business. So we're taking care of the elderly and helping out in that space. But there's definitely, as I guess I'm, I'm lending weight to this whole thing that a business has cycles. You're really tying those cycles then to the cycles of nature. And so just walk us kind of through it, you know, spring, fall, summer, winter, just kind of, if you would like to just walk us through those different cycles and kind of what's going on in comparison to a company in those seasons, if you will. Sure. Yeah. Well, your classic startup, is when people will have the big blue sky idea yes. and they bring it in. And as you work your way up the curve, you ask yourself questions like, what is my differentiator? Will this mm -hmm. scale? You know, will this idea work? You know, will mm -hmm. it take off? And once it's a proven concept and it begins to grow, to take off and expand, then you work your way up the curve. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, in the execution area then. Let's get as much done as we can. Let's start to streamline. And by the time you reach the top, an old term that they used to use in business school was the cash cow, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once you're a cash cow and you're pumping in like your Fortune 500s, those are mostly cash cows um, mm -hmm. with some exceptions. Now, the tech companies will flip their growth curves a lot faster because mm -hmm. the pace of tech, you know, is so much faster than like mm -hmm. retail. Mm -hmm. But once you're up at that maturity phase, then your whole focus is about streamlining and eking every single thing you can out of that. And then once it starts to decline, 
like Blockbuster. Let's talk about that. <laughs> right. They reached maturity. Right. And instead of leaping on the next curve, like Amazon did, their competitor, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. moving virtual, they decided to ride the curve on down and it was too late to reinvent themselves. They hung on to that physical business model where you have to go to the store to rent something. Mm -hmm. And so they lost, they died. Kodak, you know, is another great example that used mm -hmm. to be at the top of the pack. And if you don't innovate fast enough and you don't, uh, you know, jump onto the next curve and what that means for plants, for example, mm -hmm. your seeds drop to the ground and mm -hmm. then they bring on the next generation for people. We have babies, you know, mm -hmm. and create the next generation. And so everything is wired to go ahead and pass that on. But if you stop that cycle for some reason, that's when your business is at risk. And that's what you have to watch out for. And it's so interesting because the laws of nature, because we're all made of this energy, including organizations, mm -hmm. you can't skip from birth to decline. Like you will still go through the same phases if it truly grows. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm then you have to go through those phases. And so it gives us this predictability mm -hmm. in business, you know, and whether it's in business or in life, these concepts in the book are just saying like the basis of nature and its laws, it's applicable to every behavioral interaction you have, to mm -hmm. your business growth, to your financial affairs. There's uh, a brilliant professor at Duke University, Adrian Bijan, and I cite a lot of his work. In this book, he talks about, he writes about river deltas and um, economic growth mm. in nations all over the world, not just economic growth, but um, pilgrimage, population growth, mm -hmm. and how right. everything, if you look at the bronchioles in your lungs, your veins, um, mm. river deltas, tree branches, everything has the exact same pattern through mm. all of life. And economics follows the same rules. It's just fascinating. And what, and, and, and so help me understand that then. So when you're talking about the, you know, our lungs and the trees and the river Delta, how are these things? So I, you know, I can picture in my mind, yes, things are connected. I guess I'm looking kind of like at a tree and it has branches. And then those, you know, you have twigs, you have leaves, I guess. And the, you know, most of the year, and then you have twigs and then you have branches and then you have main trunks, I guess. And then the main trunk, right. Or I guess, right. So. So it get, kind of gets bigger and more grounded as you go. Um, so I guess, how are those things interrelated? So how would you apply that to then a business model? Yeah, I would. So overall, you have the growth cycles. Mm -hmm. And how I would apply that is, so you have so many, and you will through the affinity of mankind, you're going to have new business models. What I mean by that is, you had TQM, total quality management, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. lean six sigma. You right. have human design thinking is a new one. Mm -hmm. Well, um, the the true business management curve is the growth curve. And then you plug in whichever business model of the day in the right cycles. Let me let me walk you through that a little bit. Please if do. you have a company that's mature. What do you need? You need reinvention and creativity and design. So you might use human design there. And that's why it's so popular mm -hmm. in a lot of mature organizations today, because they need to reinvent and jump onto the new curve. Mm -hmm. Whereas lean and Six Sigma or total quality management, things that are meant to refine, you need that in the growth phase. 
Right. So if you're starting new processes, like if you're on a job assembly line, you know, that's how mm -hmm. TQM was created to begin with, was the assembly line mm -hmm. and refining processes. So it's not one size fits all. And that's what's so interesting. Once you see the everythingness of mm -hmm. the energy, like you can't unsee it. It's throughout all of business process. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, and so I guess, how are you using that? Uh, so, so let's dive a little bit deep. You know, if I read the book, what should I walk away with? What, what do you think most readers will walk away with? Yeah, this book is intended 100% for business leaders. And so what okay. I want them to walk away with is to learn how to assess, align, and mm -hmm. and that's for themselves, their team, what have you. And the first section of the book, it's three sections, the first mm -hmm. of which talks about the accelerating pace of change and some of the blowing stats around mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. and how it's causing off balance and burnout. It gives case studies, you know, for all of these. Mm -hmm. and the middle section outlines things like diversity in nature, mm -hmm. networks. So I pull apart and spend a chapter with each of these key themes where business can learn from nature. And then the last part of the book is all practical assess, align, adapt, how to do this at your business, at your pace, you know, whatever size business you are, these are the laws that you can apply from physics, from, from nature. Mm -hmm. and, and as you say that, um, again, kind of back to what, what I saw 20 years ago, what you're talking about here, um, you know, if you're a small business owner, I think often in business, especially a small business owner where maybe you have 10, 15, 20 employees, even up to maybe 50 employees, uh, there's a certain loneliness or isolation usually that goes with that, where it feels like um, that, that I'm the only one going through this and I'm the only one that's dealing with this specific problem. And that is a big fat lie, <laughs> right? Um, it just feels and, that way. Because I love small business. I have been a small business person most of my life. And then some of those businesses went on to be bigger businesses that are still, you know, in existence and still are alive. But I, I had to, you know, in, in, in a case of the, of the healthcare company, it got big enough where I decided that I was no longer um, able to give it anything. It, it mm -hmm. needed, it needed different, it needed a actual board. It needed a real CEO. It needed all these things. And I just went, that's not my energy because I'm a, a renegade. Yes. I'm a rebel. Yes. I'm, I'm the guy who you, you have a problem and you know, you, you give me 20 parts and I'm going to create something new out of those yes. parts. It doesn't matter. Right. So, so that's my gift and my strength. And that's what I love. Mm -hmm. Like I love the act of creation and I use businesses to create. So I needed, but I needed to step back because there wasn't, it, it was a mature company now, you know, it, it's got a thousand employees. It's got, you know, it, it, it's, it's got its own culture, its own nature. It grew up and went to college and then has its own job. Right. I mean, it's, and that is the problem. Like the entrepreneurs will not stay around because they become <laughs> so constrained and right. refined that they're no longer comfortable and they right. leave. That's and true. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens. But right. What companies have to learn to do is to keep those people busy with something else. Like, go <laughs> right. work on the next thing. Like, don't right. distract them with right. what's going on in the business. Um, <laughs> um, put but them on to the next shiny thing, you know? Right, right. Because and, they, they lose the value of that. And, and I agree. And that's and that probably would have been healthier. We got interrupted by COVID, right? COVID, mm -hmm. and I'm not blaming it on that. It's just yeah. because I, as a creator as an entrepreneur and as a creator got so burnt out 
during COVID running day to day. And even though, I, you know, we had a president at the time and he was running day to day, but just the stress of, especially in the healthcare space, it was so stressful that after a year, a year, year and a half, I was just fried because I'm doing something that I'm not good at, but just had to do to say, you know, to basically did it out of obligation, right. Yeah. To just save the company. I mean, to help save the company with a team of people that, you know, did the heavy lifting. But yeah, it got to the point where I just was like, okay, I fire myself, right? I'm just, <laughs> I did. I fired myself. I mean, I went to my president. <laughs> I said, hey, I've got a, this isn't working for me as a human being yeah. anymore. This is not, I mean, the company's safe now. We got it to safe harbor. Yeah. Now I've got to like have some, I got some mental health issues. I got to go work on yeah, yeah. it. I've been stressed you for too out. long. I burn out. I did burn yeah. out. And it's the words that we use in our mm -hmm. language that we, do, we don't think about that reinforce this aspect that we're all made of electricity like she spun up he lit up the room i feel burned <laughs> out i've disconnected transformed right right we're burned out i feel yeah. drained so and if you have a great idea what pops over your head a light bulb right yeah mm -hmm. yeah right yeah yeah so this fact of being energetic whenever you mm. take it down to the team level mm -hmm. for example it's it's fascinating because Whatever project you're working on, whatever sprint you're on, mm -hmm. it's going to be different. And if you're doing something that's future forward, you need representation from people like you on that team. Right. If it's something that, you know, is refining, like find a better way to do these HR policies. Right. Then you need the opposite. Like exactly. you're just going to get them in trouble, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, totally. And it's, totally. it's also interesting working last year and with groups like in... Um, in Singapore, mm -hmm. um, scored differently on the growth curve. They tended to be more risk averse, whereas right. the people in Silicon Valley were, right. you know, closer towards the bottom. <laughs> right, right. And then you had more of a blend in like London or Amsterdam. <laughs> but depending on the groups you're around, the types of roles that you seek out, the types of cities that you choose to live in, it's it's completely different. You know, and I, I had a... a actually an interesting guest on and we talked a lot about um kind of knowing your own strengths knowing your your sweet spot um uh, being authentic with um you know your individual values uh in relationship to the whatever career you're in those values are those aligned and if they're not you you've, you've got to look at that right that's, a, that's right. and the, and the more aligned you are with your true values not your espoused values but your true values the more successful and when i say successful i don't mean just financially just more impactful um right. and a lot of times that leads to financial success as well but the more impactful you will be so we had a this this conversation around you know if you're if you're running a hedge fund and it's about making money then that should you should dial in on that we're about making money versus we're here to make the world a better place and because da, da, da. Yeah. people will get that you're not right i yes. mean people are the, yes. it's not it's it, you know at some point it just becomes incongruent and I yeah. think, you know, when you're kind of talking about these systems in nature, when we do look at nature, nature is itself. A bee is a bee, right? right. Uh, a, a hawk is a hawk. Grass is grass. I mean, it, it's not, you don't have a, you know, I guess you have a chameleon, but it's just changing colors. <laughs> That's right. Right. And it's not pretending to be a different animal. <laughs> what right. you're talking about there is it goes back again to science, like to move an electrical current, you have to connect something, right? Right. Yep. You have to plug it in. Right. direct it to the lamp mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. you're trying to light. 
-hmm. And then you can accelerate it or amplify it. And that's mm -hmm. using things like purpose, you know, right. and uh, motivation and, and whatnot. And the more you can direct it, exactly what you said, you get mm -hmm. that Venturi effect, right? Mm -hmm. Stuff goes faster the more you can direct it. Right. Well, like a laser, right? Like a laser beam. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Well, it's very cool. Just as Tabitha Scott, with all Tabitha, Tabitha Scott's wisdom of life, um, is there one bit of wisdom that you just think that would be that you've discerned in your life that you think, you know, I wish everybody just knew this one thing, just if they would just if everybody just had a, um, awareness of this one thing, you know, we could we could shift the, the, the balance of the planet in a very positive way. Yeah, I think with my human hat on to to people, I would say that we're all made of the same exact energy and so it doesn't matter your socioeconomic background your status you know economically your degrees um, where you're from none of that matters we have so much more in common than our differences and so because we're made of the same energy you know we just we can love each other because mm -hmm. we are all literally the same and i guess with my business hat on it's to affirm that nature has an answer for every single business crisis in the world. And we just have to listen. <laughs> Which is usually the hard part, right? Listening is always the hardest part. It seems it's to me. Anyway. Hard. <laughs> right. Because we want to do our, our thing and the way we want to do it. And it's like, well, that's actually not in alignment with natural laws. <laughs> true, <Right>? true that. <laughs> well, Tabitha, it's been so great to have you on the show today. I appreciated your perspective and coming on and certainly check out her book. Um, uh, powering change uh, that applies to both, you know, again, I think you have a very unique perspective because you do have kind of a foot in what I would call two camps that hopefully just become one camp over time, right? Um, that right. that would be the thing is how do we integrate nature and business together so that they're complementary, not not at, at odds with each other, no matter what, what the business. And it's not necessarily about eating the elephant all at once. It's we right. take steps to become, to evolve. Um, so I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your perspective. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E, vibe, B-I-B-E.com. Thank you for listening.